We're, we've been in this uh, series that I started last month entitled Praying Like Jesus. And we're going to continue it over the next couple of weeks uh, uh, about prayer. Uh, there's probably more books, Christian books, written on prayer than any other topic probably uh, that we could discuss. Probably more than end times. Probably more than finances. There's more books written on prayer than, than, than just about any other. But it's probably one of the least things done among the believers. I deal with pastors all the time, and this is what I hear. Pastor Scott, you probably experienced this. I would hear pastor, we called prayer meeting last night. We only had a fraction of our church show up. And when they say a fraction, they're talking a real low fraction of the church. You know, we only had, we've got a thousand people, but we had five people show up for prayer meeting. So I hear that all the time from pastors everywhere. Uh, but prayer is an absolute must if you and I are going to live the life that God intends for us to live, prayer is going to have to be a part of it. It's not an option. Matter of fact, more of you got more confidence. I shouldn't say you, but more of us have got more confidence in other things than what God told us would access his throne. Because he said, if I would ask, that's what prayer is. What would happen? I would receive. So my question for you tonight, are you asking? So tonight, I, I don't know, Chad, did you get those slips for me? Just, just have them ready. I don't need them right now, but just have them here in the auditorium because I'll use them in a little bit. I, I want to give you a definition. The first time prayer is mentioned in the New Testament, I want to give you the definition because usually that sets the precedence of the definition of what it means through the rest of that chapter or through the rest of the book or how it's used. And here's what prayer means. Simple. Pray to God. Reach out to God. It's just that simple. I'm reaching out to Him. Here's the second thing it means. It means to supplicate. What does supplicate mean? I heard Paul said in the book of Ephesians, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, Philippians chapter 4, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, could be something, an answer there. The reason that we're so anxious about everything is we're really not praying about the issue. Because if I'm really praying about it, then peace ought to be keeping me until I get the answer one way or the other. Hello, it's what Paul said. So it means to supplicate or to ask or beg for something earnestly. I'm really pursuing God. God, I know you can do this. I know you hear me. I know you can meet this need. So it's really pressing ourselves into God. Here's a third definition that could go along with the word prayer. It means worship. It can mean worship. It's interesting to me that we only have one form of worship, and that's music. But I think far beyond that, that worship goes far beyond what's done on this platform. And I believe, I thought, okay, God, how do I define what worship is? It's the fact that I go to him and I say I need him. Think about that for a moment. If nobody needs you, what do you feel? You feel down, you feel discouraged, you feel useless and worthless. But the moment somebody moves to you and has what and no and begins to pull on you, it lifts your spirit. That is a form of worship. It's a form that you are acknowledging who they are, acknowledging what they can do, and that you have need of possibly the resource that they have. So prayer is simply you reaching out to God, saying, God, I need you. It's supplication. It's asking. It's begging. It's pleading for him to meet your need, and it's worship. 
I believe there's three reasons why we need to pray. Here's the first one. I'm going to give you scripture for all this, so hang with me. Here's the first one. Is if you're going to live this supernatural life, you're going to have to know how to pray or live a life of prayer. Matter of fact, Paul says it like this. We ought to be praying without ceasing. So don't get religious here. He said we should live a life of prayer. So in the book of Matthew, uh, let's look there just to start out with something here. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, I've used these passages before, verse 17, Jesus comes on the scene. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he calls these disciples to begin to follow him. And in verse 23, I don't know if they're throwing this stuff. I didn't give them a list of stuff to put up. In verse uh, 23 of chapter 4, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Then he began to heal the sick. He began to uh, set the captives free. And the Bible said, and great multitudes began to follow. And the next thing that happens is in chapter 5. So now Jesus goes to a mountain and he begins to teach them. And basically what he's teaching them is how to live a supernatural life that is above the life of this world. It's the life of the kingdom. In Luke's gospel, we started out the teaching from chapter 11. That his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they've attributed something. We've been following you and we've noticed something. You go up to the mountain and pray. And when you come off that mountain, you do, you do miraculous things. Blind eyes get open. People get set free. Water turns to wine every time you go to prayer. So evidently, they're putting something together. That his, that his work was connected to the prayer life or to his whatever he was praying at those moments that he would get alone to seek the face of the Father. If we're going to live that supernatural life, we're going to have to know how to pray. Why? Here's three basic reasons why you're going to do that. First of all, you're showing God you need him. You and I can't do this without him. Why even come tonight? Why are you even here? You're here because it's Wednesday. It's your religious duty to do it. You've gone through it. Why are you here? There ought to be a greater purpose than, well, it's Wednesday night. I don't know about you. I, I, there's other things that we could do. We could, we could go to a movie. We could go to dinner. We'll probably do that later. But there's a lot of things we could do besides showing up. But you ought to come with the purpose, God. I'm coming to show you that I have need of you. How many's learned everything about God? How many think you know everything about God? We're always, and about the time you think you got God figured out, he does it a different way. So that your confidence is not in a method. I've seen this over the years so much. We're, we, me and Diane, most of, I say this to you, you know this. We've been pastoring now about 40 years. I don't know how many years you guys have been. How long y'all pastored? 50 years or something like that. We've, we've gone through these moments that we've seen cycles of everything under the sun. And when you see God start moving and everybody starts moving and now it becomes a tool and a method. And you get people relying on their methods more than relying upon the ability of God. And so we start drawing people to us instead of us drawing people to God. So I believe our whole purpose of coming, our whole purpose of prayer is, God, I want to know you. I want to know more about you. And it's to show him, first of all, we need him. The second thing is, I just touched it, is we're getting to know him more and more and more. It's that place. You know, I often think, I think like this. Uh, Jesus could do all kinds of stuff. We know he's the son of God, but... I wonder what his prayer life was like with the Father. I wonder what he was talking about on the mountain. I don't know how he did it, but I know what I do a lot of times. I come in here and I find myself, it seemed like for the first hour, having to repent over every mistake I made just the hour before I ever got here. 
And I find a lot of people, that's what your prayer life is. It's just constantly repenting. I blew it, God. I need your grace. I need you to free up. Nothing wrong with that, but that's all it is. And then when I feel good, I get up and leave. Oh, come on. I'm not the only one that does that. I don't even give him time to say hello. I got to get busy. I get my phone out and I start doing something there. I'm just being real. Y'all can't. But that's how prayer is for a lot. But I wonder what Jesus did. I wonder what he asked the Father. I, I wonder how it, because it, some of those nights he prayed all night. And there were times he fasted for more than just a meal. And I try to time mine so that it's, I don't, if I miss lunch, I can have supper. Oh, come on, somebody. But that's how we function. But how did Jesus talk? What was it that he was looking for? Times we know that he said, I must be about my father's business. So there was something that he was living. God, Father, I want to know you more. Because he was fully man, operating in spirit, just like you and I are supposed to operate. Here's the third thing uh, of living the supernatural life. Because the more we pray... We tap into the flow. Listen to how I'm going to say this. You tap into the flow of the authority that's been given to you to overcome the powers of darkness. You tap into the continual flow of it. If you're not praying, I've always heard this little saying where there's, how is it, where there's little prayer, there's little power. Where there's much prayer, there's much power. It's not, that you're, it's not that you're buying anything through fasting and prayer and, and being alone and all that time. But no, you're in that flow. You're tapping into the flow. You're staying connected because there is enough stuff pulling on us out here. And I wonder why I have no power or I feel like I'm powerless when Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I've given you a I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But the majority of believers feel powerless. And I believe one of the reasons is it's not that it hadn't been given to us, but the flow of it, that pull of it, that pressure of it pushing in me. It's like the more I stay before the Father, it's like turning the faucet on and the more it's on, the more pressure is in that line to bring to me what I'm needing in the hour. So if you and I are going to live a supernatural life, you and I are going to have to know how to pray. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he's walked to him and he, he gives them, he said, let this be your attitude. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And then he talks about uh, them being salt and light. And he talks about them keeping their hearts clean. And he said, guys, you've heard it said this, and this is how the world does it, but this is what I'm saying about you. And then in chapter 6, he starts talking about this. He said, take heed, verse 1, take heed what you do, uh, that you do not charitable deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven as though charitable deeds is just something that ought to be a part of our life whether anybody knows I did anything or not but then look at look at verse 5 and when you pray this is the first mention when you pray you'll not be like those he calls it in my bible those hypocrites those religious people those people that love standing on the street corners and in the synagogues praying. Now, that wasn't an unusual thing because there were times of prayer, morning, noon, and evening, when they would pray, and they would stop right where they were, and they would go through prayer. Why? Because it's 9 o'clock. Because it's noon. Because it's 6 o'clock. Or maybe we could say, because it's Wednesday night, I'll come and pray. We would be in the same vein as those people there if that is the only time you come to pray is when it's, six, or when it's Wednesday night or Sunday morning or whatever. 
So he said, when you pray, don't be like them that love to stand on the corners and in the synagogues. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I really believe that he's not talking about my method of praying as much as he's talking about my heart posture of how I go before him. And sometimes I just need to shut everybody out. This is about me and my father. This is not me trying to impress you at what I do. It's just me and the father. And I believe that's what he said. I remember years ago, you remember... uh, uh, Oh, good, uh, Nisha's sister. You, you remember Missy? Uh, we had a family in our church, and uh, they were, they, me and Diane was pastoring. It's earlier years of pastoring. And they come from a Baptist background and came in, got spirit-filled, just loved the church and such as that. And, and one day, what was her mom's name? Uh, Barbara. One day, Barbara said one of the girls, the youngest one, came up missing. I think it was Missy. Came up missing, couldn't find her anywhere. She was looking everywhere. Where's Missy? She was beginning to get nervous. And a few hours later, all of a sudden, Missy shows up. Mom's terrified. She's upset. Where have you been? She said, well, the Bible said to go in my closet and shut the door. God, give us a heart as a child that doesn't know any better than to walk. I really believe that's what he's saying, to be so innocent that we can just come before him. I don't even know how to pray sometimes. I wish I could articulate things like some of you pray. I wish I could do it. I'm reminded, you've heard me tell the story of the hillbilly in Kentucky when my my brother was pastoring that wanted the Holy Ghost and just knelt down. Happy landing, Holy Ghost! In his field. God, give us an innocence of our heart to come before you. That's what he's talking about in that place. Then he goes on to say, and when you pray, don't use all these vain repetitions as the heathens do. Man, I just got to keep saying the more I say, the more I do. If I don't do it exactly right, I don't think that's what he's talking about because he gives us a clue in the next part of the verse. He said, "He said, listen, they think they're going to be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. So wait a minute. What is that? What is that? God, I just put my faith in you. I, I don't know how to do this. You, you know, it's one thing. My, my little grandson, Maverick, I don't know where he is, if he's even in the building. I guess maybe he's in the back back there somewhere. Uh, you know, he's learning to say words. I'd love for him to talk like us, especially when he's wanting something. That we're expecting him to speak paragraphs and sentences and use words. But he doesn't. He's so simple. He didn't even, sometimes he doesn't even speak. He'll just say, you know what that means? Come. Come, Chad and Alexis, they've got it down when he grunts and stuff. They know, what are you talking about? They know what he's meaning, but it's that simple. I really believe that's what the Lord is saying. Then he said, therefore, don't be like them for your father knows. Now, isn't this interesting verse here? If the father knows everything that I have need of, then why in the world should I ask? He said in Matthew chapter 6, seek you first the kingdom of God. He said, I know what you have. Don't worry about a thing. What are you worrying about? He said, don't worry about a thing. I know what you have need of because everybody has need of it. But he said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added. If he knows everything and he knows what I'm going to ask before I ever get there, then why do I have to ask? Because I believe it shows, and I'm just saying for me, I believe it shows my dependency. God, I need you in every area of my life. And notice how I said that. We need him in every area of our lives. Not just, oh God, I want to be blessed today. I, I, you know, coming up the way I did in Pentecost, 
I've had people, I've heard people say, I just want a blessing tonight. I just want a blessing tonight. I come to get a blessing. You know what they're really saying? I I just want to feel good for a few moments. Because that's how we attribute a blessing. If we shout it, man, I could shout with the best of Pentecostals. I could run with the best of them. I've done it, believe me. And sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I was probably in my flesh. But the reality of, of, of things are, I just hear people, I just wanna, I just wanna feel, I just wanna be blessed. And we come to church. I just, you know what we're asking for? We're asking for relief from the stress and the pressure that is out there, but never asking God, God, give me what I need to deal out there. You need him in your marriage. We need, him, we need to be praying about our finances. We need to be praying about our jobs. We need to be praying about everything. Prayer ought to be a part of everything that we do. Evidently, we don't believe it works or we would do it. Because I have watched infomercials that guarantee me that if I would drink just a drop of olive oil, my world would turn upside down. If I would take this pill, dying, get the credit card, we're going to order a whole case of it. Come on, I say that jokingly, but we do that. You know why? Because somebody convinces us it works. So how many goes to the aisle at Walmart to the section that says, as seen on TV? Hello? We believe that. I believe God, but I don't trust evidently the way or the means. He told me that I can change everything about my world and I could live supernaturally. So he said, here's the second thing why we need to pray. is to get our needs met. I know what you have need of. We pray to get our needs met. God, I come to you. you got, you're the source. You're my provider. You're my everything, Father. You can do it all. You can provide for me. I, I've come to really learn. I'm trying to pray about everything. I went fishing the other day. Okay, God, I want a big one out here today. I'm talking to him about the fish. I was in my, the other evening, don't lie, I really did this. I, I was fishing out my back door the other day. Uh, just two days ago, I just had a you know a little time. I didn't know if I'd catch anything, but I picked up a couple. And I thought, Lord, I'd like to have one pretty good-sized bass. I, could, I just said, okay, God, I'm asking you. You said if I would pray and ask you. And you know what? I got a pretty good-sized fish. Oh, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well... So when I want shoes, what I start doing? I start praying for shoes. If I want clothes, I start praying for clothes. If whatever I have need of, I, I really have. I'm practicing more and more and more of asking God about everything I have need of. If I want some time away with Diane, vacation, say, hey, God, we'd like to be back on the beach again. And I'd like for you to work it out. He yes, he will, Michael. And when my kids are sick, my family's sick, we're praying, God, I'm believing you to heal them. And not a week from now, but now. Because he will meet our need. Here's the third reason I believe we're all praying, and I can give you scripture for all this, is we pray for our family, we pray for our friends, and to see the world changed. We're doing everything but the right thing to see our world changed. Yes, we need to be praying about our political system. Yes, we need to be getting involved. But how many of us are really praying about the hearts of men that need to be changed? God, save their soul. God, make them pliable. God, touch their hearts. Give me an opportunity to go. I I told you, uh, you know this jelly roll guy? Is that his name? Jelly Roll, this country singer, big old heavy set guy, tattooed all over his face. 
And if you catch him on Facebook, he's kind of got a potty mouth. I mean, seriously, he doesn't talk nice. And, and I noticed, uh, I was following him a few moments because this guy's gotten in my heart. And I get up, I wake up in the night and he's on my mind and I'm praying for him. I'm in the shower praying for Jelly Roll. See, you know what I've been asking the Lord to do? God, give me an opportunity to meet him. I'm asking the Lord, give me an opportunity to meet him and connect with him somehow. He's put him in my heart, but this is how I'm praying for him. God, I'm asking you to fill him and his wife, Bunny, with the Holy Ghost. You've given them a big platform that they can be a voice to a generation and culture. Because I can't. I noticed in one of his videos the other day that I was watching, before his concert, he gathered all of his group together. The kid knows. I guarantee you, he knows. He gathered them together. They're praying. And he said, I pray in the name of Jesus. I guarantee you he's got a background somewhere that knows. But he just needs another dose. He needs a little bit more. But that's how we pray. We ought to be praying for our neighborhood, our neighbors. God, save everybody on my block. Save everybody in our schools. God, sin revival. I was listening to a brother the other day. Other day some of you may have heard of this guy's name is Chad Veach. And uh, he's a young man. And uh, we saw him a year ago at Forward when we were there last year. And he had been in, I think it was somewhere in Colombia. I think Bogota, I believe is where it was. Could be wrong about the city, South America. And he said he goes into this church. And he said this church was like four or 5,000 strong. And he said this place is absolutely jam-packed. He said it's filled to the brim. It's overflowing. And he said, as he walked in, he said, he was just blown away. He said, you couldn't got another person in. He said, pastor, where did all these people come from? He said, come with me. They took a walk a little bit further through the facility. He said, they went to three or four different overflow rooms that, that would seat seven to 800 people. And they were absolutely filled with people. Then he said, come here. I want to show you something. Then he took him where he could see outside the building and down the street. This is a morning service. And he said when he looked out as far as he could see, it was like ants. People were, begin, were parking and making their way to the church. And the pastor said, that is the evening service preparing themselves to get in the building. And so he said, pastor, what are you doing? He said, I don't know. He said, I really don't know. He said, the only thing that I attribute to, he said, I have a group of people that meet here every Tuesday morning, every Thursday morning at six o'clock. He said, this auditorium is absolutely filled with people that are just praying. And he said, they're here every Tuesday morning and Thursday morning. And that's the only thing that I can attribute why people are coming. Because they believe that God can change their country. And God can change the life of people. You know, we're wanting revival, but I believe more than anything. I know we mean well. I think our intentions are right. But I think more of our intention is on the fire and it's on the glow and it's on the glory more than it is on the souls or the end result of what God really wants to see happen. And I'm convinced, church, our churches are larger than they've ever been. Our access to the gospel is greater than it's ever been. There's not a moment of the day that you can't tune into somebody and hear something and go to a church somewhere. But if that's the case, that what we're doing is so right on, then why are we dealing in our nation with the stuff we're dealing with? Thank you, Michael. I'm preaching though, Michael. Because I don't know that we believe that God can change our cities if a people will just take God at his word. Jesus said to pray in the book of Matthew chapter 9, he went about all the cities and all the villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all the sickness and all the diseases among them. And Jesus looked out. He looked out over the city. And he said, my people. 
And he gave an analogy, I guess a, a, a parable or a picture. He said, my people are living like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns and he says in the same chapter, chapter 9, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the field. Pray that we would send laborers. That was Jesus' answer. I'm confident, I said this Sunday morning, I'm going to repeat it again tonight, that we're waiting for miracles to happen, and I don't think that Jesus done a crusade like we're doing church. I think he moved among the streets, among the people, and the crowds followed him. And it was just like Brian Bartimaeus that screamed out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus stopped and opened his eyes. Or he's walking up the street and a young man by the name of Zacchaeus, a tax collector, wanted to see Jesus, runs out, calls out on a limb, and Jesus stops and said, hey... Come down. I want to go to your house. I want to visit with you for a while. And whatever their conversation was in that house for a few moments, it was enough to transform and convince the heart of Zacchaeus he needed to change. I'm going to follow Jesus, but not only am I going to repent, I'm going to pay back everything I've taken from people unrighteously. I don't think he had a public relations guide. Let's go sit up. I think who was the young lady, one of the country music singers in, uh, it was just in Kansas City. Some of you have gone to her concert recently. And who, who was it? Who? Taylor Swift. Is that her name? And I mean, they're filling Arrowhead Stadium. And I mean, they're buying her tickets so fast that it's crashing the market, the ticket masters and all of that. I mean, there's been a lot of issues that have come up. And I'm thinking that's kind of how we do God. We'll get our latest guy to come in. They used to say Benny Hinn would go to the, to the Bahamas. And I heard this more than once, that he would go there to do crusades. But the, the nationals couldn't get in. For all the people, the Americans that decided to go on vacation to be in the meeting with Benny. But most people miss the whole idea. And if you've ever been in one of those meetings, I've heard this more than once. They would tell you that most of the miracles happen before he ever gets there. Where are they happening at? As he's got people that will just go up and begin to minister to people. And God's doing it. He just gets the credit for what God drawing the crowd. I believe we're to be praying for our family and friends. We're to pray that our world would change. It was God's way of taking care of us. Jesus said, when you pray, over the last month, I gave you three, three identities that God said. He called himself. Jesus said, when you come, we come to the Father. We come to the Father and we pray, Our Father which art in heaven. Yes, I'm praying unto the God that created the earth and the fullness thereof. Yes, I'm praying to the God that cannot fail, that cannot lie, that is faithful. Yes, I'm praying to him. But if I'm not careful and that's only my approach, that when I don't feel worthy and when I feel like I've blown it through the day, then I really can't approach that God because when I come to him in my sinfulness I feel like that he's going to burn me in my shoes but when I acknowledge him as a father and I'm not taking away from him of being creator but when I'm acknowledging him as a father my kids have always I've always told them this and you've heard me tell them I don't care whatever they do I don't care how bad they would get they will always be my kids and I will always love them and I will always reach out to them you put yourself, I don't know, some of you, no doubt, through the years, over your lifetime, maybe your father wasn't all of that. Maybe he wasn't that well for you. And that's been an assignment of the enemy because he's, he's convinced you that your heavenly father is the same way. But you take the greatest father that you know. Man, my kids, they know I'm going to spoil them and my grandkids. They know that whatever I have, it can be their resource. Whatever I have, it can be theirs. My grandkids, Samuel comes over. Hey, Papa, can we go to the store? I know what he's after. He's a beanie boo collector. 
I don't know how many he's got, like 500 of those things. Seriously. And his other grandpa's as bad as I am. And they order them for him. Hey, Papa, can we go to the store? I know what he's after. And he'll get in. I don't have that one. I don't have that one. But he has it when we leave. (laughs) But the Bible said, if you that are evil know how to give good things, just talking about us being earthly, how much more? When he called himself a friend, Jesus used in the book of Luke, he said, if you that have a friend and he's gone to bed and you know, you have a friend show up and you need bread, then you go to your friend and knock on the door. He's using it as a contrast. And if that friend, if that friend will get up, how much more will God give, get up for us and provide for those that call out to him? And then he he showed us him as a judge, and I believe as a picture of authority in the book of Luke chapter 18, where he said, where he said there was an unjust judge, or he said this, let me, I got to read this to you. Luke chapter 18, I believe it is verse one, because he's saying something that he wants us to hear. He said, then he spoke a parable to them. Listen to what he says. I want you, if you don't, you need to mark this that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why did he say that? Because how many of you have prayed about something and you didn't think God answered? I think personally, there's a moment God will say no to us. I've had him say it to me. But if he's not saying no, we don't give up. We keep pressing. We keep, he said it, I didn't. This is Jesus teaching. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then he talked about this unrighteous judge that didn't fear God, didn't fear men, and didn't care, but a little widow that had an adversary that knew you can answer my problem. You can take care of them. And she kept pressing him and pressing him and pressing him. That was her whole key right there that she didn't give up. She was persistent to push in on him. He said, we're not to quit praying. I just got to ask you, what are you praying about? What are you praying about? Okay, Chad, where's my list? You're, we're gonna, I'm going to do a little exercise with you. How many are praying about something? Or let me ask it better. How many are praying regularly about it? When I say regularly, I mean it's just about every time you go to prayer, that thing is there. Uh, Chad, give somebody, let somebody help you get those out real quick. I'm going to give you a sheet. And on this sheet, this is what it says. I am believing for, and this is my request, something to that effect. And I want you to take a moment. This is what I want you to do. I'd like for everybody that will, if you want to, you don't have to. I can't make anybody do it. If you're praying about something, I want you to write it down real quickly. Don't write a book, but write basically what you're praying about. If you're praying about your marriage, but I'm praying over my marriage. If I'm praying, whatever it is, I'm praying for fine, write out whatever it is on there. If you want to sign it, fine. If you don't, that's fine too. We don't have to have a signature. I just want to do something with this. Now I'm going to ask this. If you're not praying about it, don't ask me to pray about it. Because you're not praying about it. Now I can pray, but that don't mean it's going to open the door. I can. But if you're not praying about it, then you're really in that place of worry and fear. So whatever you're praying about, I just want, I don't care how simple it is, just write it out. Write something. There should be a pen behind you somewhere. Uh, Help somebody grab a pen. Write out whatever you're praying about. Give you just a few moments. Uh, I'm I'm going to do this. Now, I know some people don't know how to pray, and we're, we're praying, so please don't misunderstand what I said a while ago. Don't any... 
you know, don't want to misrepresent what I'm saying. I know there's people that don't know, doesn't know the Lord. They don't have a clue what I'm talking about. That's why we're teaching and showing. You don't have to be eloquent at everything you do. You just have to say, God, I recognize that you can do this for me. And when you get it wrote down, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to just fold it up. Just fold it up once and we're, don't, you don't have to put your name on it. Now I want you to do something else. Uh, it's going to require a little effort on everybody. Uh, just bring it up here and put it on the altar. And uh, somebody could, somebody wants to collect a few of them, just bring them up here. Just, just lay them down. I thought about doing it differently than this because this is not going to end here at the altar. Okay? Just lay them down. Scatter them out. Just don't matter where. Just scatter them down. Somebody wants to pick somebody. Um, there you go. Just bring them on up. Lay them down up here. And uh, Pastor Val, I'm going to need you to help me in just a moment, okay? So if you don't mind, if you can you come up here with me? Because I, I want to ask you something. We haven't rehearsed this. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to help me with something. Good to see you tonight, Amber. Glad you're back with us. All of you, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, praise God. Pastor, I want to ask you a question. We haven't rehearsed this. You didn't know I was going to do this. But we pray for people all the time. Mm -hmm. So if I come to you and say, Pastor Val, I've really got this real need. I, I'm really wanting you to agree with me and help me pray about this. How would you do that? How would you agree with me? How do, you, how do, you, how do we do that? Well, the first thing we do is we find out what it is we're going to agree about. Okay. Not just unspoken requests. Right. We're going to need to know to have a point of contact. Okay. If we don't have a point of contact, okay. we don't really have an agreement. Okay. So we got to get an agreement. All right. All right. So how do I pray then? If it's my need, I'm asking you to pray about it. How do you pray that for me? Well, I'm going to ask you how you've been praying. Okay. Because if you've been praying in the right vein, then I can agree. Okay. I'm but if you say, I want you to agree, and yet when you tell me about it, you're not really agreeing with yourself then I'm not going to be able to help you much. So let's just say I'm, I'm in this spot where I've got a lot of need financially, okay? I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Pastor, I've got a great need. I'm, I'm just needing God to move on my behalf. What would you say into that? Then we're just going to pray okay. that God will do according to his word, who will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in you. So now I want to talk to you about are you letting the power of God work in you? Okay, so how does that work? How well, does that work? Yeah, how does that work? Uh, okay, so we go to here and we look at the word about believing. Okay. Can you believe what it is you're asking for? Okay. Because if you can't, you're not going to receive. All right. Because you got to believe. So, so we're going to talk about it. And I got, I believe, therefore I receive. Yeah. Right? That's true. Okay. So. Now, this is what going to require some more effort for you, okay? I want everybody that will, I want you to get up, and I want you to come up here and pick one of these up. I don't want you to look for yours. It don't even matter whose it is. Come pick it up. Every one of these ought to be gone. So I don't know if there's equal numbers, but we'll, we'll make sure that everybody gets one. You, don't, you can go back to your seat after, after you get them. It's just a simple exercise of prayer and agreement. Now, Pastor, you said that we have to believe, right? Yeah. Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter 11, you know this verse. He said, uh, he said have faith in God. Right. And... For assuredly I say to you that whoever says to the mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believe that those things that he says will be done he will have he whatsoever. Will have whatever, yeah. Therefore I say to you that whatever things you ask when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
Now, this is what I want you to do with that piece of paper. Remember, I gave us three reasons tonight why we pray. I want you to keep that prayer request with you the rest of the week. Matter of fact, to next Wednesday night. And God knows who wrote that. And I want you to begin to agree with them. God, whoever this is, God, whoever this is, I'm agreeing with them right now. God, that you're going to meet their need. Help them to have faith. Yeah. Help them, Lord, to receive what you have for them. Now, let me help you with something. How many's heard the verse, and we're going to end right here. How many's heard the verse, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open. Now, how many's been asking? Okay, he said, ask and you receive, right? You can't receive if you don't ask. So what does the next mean? I've often read it like this. I just keep seeking. I keep pushing God. I keep going. No, that can mean that, but I believe there's a greater definition. Now I start seeking or start looking for the answer. I start expecting the answer. I'm looking. What if you lose something, you can't find it, what do you go do? You, you go seek after it. The more valuable it is, the more you pursue it. So I ask, okay, God, I, I'm believing, Lord, that you're going to provide my need. So let me use, just let me use this analogy. I'm asking God to provide me. I, I'm just, I'm not, but I'm asking God. I'm going to use a picture. Uh, you've heard me talk about God providing me a truck. God, I want a new truck. God, I'm asking you to provide me a new truck. I can say that to the rest of my days. But if I really believe that God's going to provide me a truck, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start going looking for a truck. Oh, I've gone and put my hands on a lot of them. Prayed over, still do. God, I believe you can. I'm expecting, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I know he can. Now I'm expecting, but not only am I expecting everything to be given, maybe he's given me an opportunity. Because now he says, if I see something moving, he says, knock. Sometimes God starts presenting doors to you. Well, God, I want more money. And then a job opportunity comes. Well, I don't know about that. Hello? I don't know about that. God, I need more. I, I, I want to do more. Maybe the opportunity is there. What is the next step you need to take that opens a door that God may say, well, did you ever think about going to school? Maybe the reason, the only reason you're making minimum wage is because of an education and maybe you need some training in an area. Did you ever think that God may present a door for you to get some training? But God, that's not my thing. You've been praying for God to do something for you and he opens the door and he says, when the door there, you knock and God opens it up. It might call it favor. So God begins to give us favor as we begin to pursue Mark chapter 11, verse we all use. We translate it ever which way under the sun, but it just simply says, have faith in God. I know I've preached it like this, have the faith of God. But let's just keep it real as it is right there. Have faith in God. God, you said it. I don't know how you're going to do it, I don't know where to come from. I don't know, but I'm going to trust you to do it for me and that you will open my eyes to see it and I don't miss anything that you're doing. So I'm going to ask you to take that piece of paper with that request and you take that before the Lord every day on behalf of somebody else. I believe it's part of sowing and reaping that we get involved into somebody else's world besides our own. I'm believing. I'm believing for you. I'm praying, God, whatever your need is, I'm believing for you that God is going to meet that need. And you can guarantee, I'm guarantee you that this pastor and the leadership of this church is praying for you. That we're believing that you're going to walk in the fullness of God and everything that he has for you. So we're going to pray and we're going to keep praying, and we're going to keep praying. 
and keep believing. Let's stand together. Father, I've presented to this people tonight mm, everything, God, that you put in my heart today. And God, I didn't pick up a piece of paper, but I believe everybody did. Get that piece of, piece of paper in your hand. Put it between your hands. And let's just pray over that right now before we leave. Let, let's just, don't be afraid to lift your voice up, whatever. God, I pray for every one of these requests tonight. God, I'm believing you right now that you're the God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that we could ask or think. Father, there's some here that needs new jobs. And I'm believing now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree with them. And you said if any two of us would agree, it would happen. God, I believe it's your will to prosper your children. And so, God, now I'm asking you to make a way where there seems to be no way and that you will open up up opportunities, God, that will bring great resource into their lives. I believe it, where they'll find great fulfillment. They'll find great peace, God. They'll delight in the job that they're at. I know there's numbers of those in this room. I'm believing you for that right now. God, there's some that need bills paid. I'm believing they're going to be out of debt, and God, they're going to have the resource to take care of their bills, that they're not going to live from paycheck to paycheck, but God, they're going to arise in your greatness. They're going to see your hand. Father, there's so many needs, and you said you knew every one of them. So I agree with them tonight, God, that you're going to minister, and we're going to hear the testimonies come out of this evening of the greatness of our God, that as we honor you in prayer, you will hear and you will answer. God, I thank you. Now, let's just begin to thank him. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for every testimony, for every answered prayer. I give you thanks for it tonight, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, God, that my need is met. I thank you my body is healed. I thank you I got the home I've been looking for. I thank you, God, for the job. I thank you, Father, that you you are making a way when there is no way, God. I thank you for that. I give you praise. Oh, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if God answers your prayer, don't you wait. You call us and tell us. I want to hear what God is doing, but hang on to those and pray over them this week. Will you do that? God bless you, everybody. Have a great evening. We love you. We'll see you Sunday morning.